All right, we're in part six of our walk through 2 Corinthians, and I am excited about today. Um, I named it or titled it Fragile, um, and you'll understand in a little bit. Have you ever broken a clay pot? You know, those little pots, I mean, they come in all day. You can get them this small. I was going to bring one in. I forgot to bring one in. Um, they can be small. They can be big. We use them to pop plants in, and and if you've ever dropped one, they break pretty easily. Um, they're, they're, they're kind of fragile. Um, that's what happens. You know, clay pots look really nice and some of them can be really decorative. You can get the rust color ones. You can get some that have been finished and painted and they look really nice, but they're really fragile. That's kind of how Paul describes us in our passage today as fragile clay pots. So if you would turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to kind of read you the verse where I took the title of this message, and then we're going to kind of talk about what Paul was speaking to us in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. We're actually covering the entire chapter. Um, don't worry, I'm not reading all of it today. We're going to keep it very brief. Um, so we're going to look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. So do you get that? But we are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. For the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about how God uses us, how God uses us to share the gospel by the way we live our lives. We're like walking billboards. And, and the closer we get to God, the more we're going to draw people to Him. Uh, I haven't shared it in a while, but Dick Foth likes to say, hey, if I'm walking with Jesus and I invite you to walk with me, eventually you're going to meet Jesus. Our lives are ministry. And Paul is talking about how our lives are these fragile clay pots, but we contain the power of God within us. He's reminding us how fragile we are, how weak we really are as human beings. Our lives are but a breath. Have you ever read the book of Acts? Um, the book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostle, is kind of the birth of the church after Christ died and rose again. And if you look at the start of the church, there was persecution. They were beaten. Some of them were killed and martyred. Stephen was the first martyr. They stoned him for following Christ. All of the, well, not all, but most of the apostles were martyred. Like Peter was crucified upside down. John, who we get the Gospel of John, but we also get the book of Revelation. He was boiled in oil and lived and then they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. These guys did not live lives that were of luxury or anything like that. They struggled. They knew that their lives were fragile. How did they get through this? Was it because they had great willpower? Was it because they were like super strong? Is that how they survived being beaten and put in prison and all of those things? No. They survived as ordinary people, just like you and me. 
There was no, there was no difference between Paul and you and I. No difference between Peter and you and I. Actually, we probably, some of us probably have more education. Some of us probably grew up in different circumstances and better circumstances. Yet these men and women of Scripture stood up to great persecution. How did they do that? That's what I want to talk to you about today. And the first point is this, great power in fragile containers. Great power fragile container. That's kind of what Paul said about us. I want to look at verses 5 through 7. I know I already read 7, but I kind of want to back up a little bit and give you the full context. Let's look at verse 5 together. So you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made the light shine in our hearts so that we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Did you catch that? It makes us clear that this great power is from God and not from ourselves. We're called out of the darkness to be light. We're no longer living away from God. We have that, dark, that light in us so that we can shine into the darkness and we have the Holy Spirit to accomplish that work. Acts chapter 1-8. If you've been around for a while, it's one of my favorite verses says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God promised, that was where Jesus' words, promised to send us the Holy Spirit so that we could witness to the entire world. That's where that power comes from. God's power inside of us is the Holy Spirit working through us, it's the Holy Spirit that draws people to us. We have this great power that comes from God contained in these fragile bodies. That's the one thing that's sometimes hard for us to wrap our minds around. So Jesus promised it in Acts, or well, he actually promised it before that if you read the Gospels, but he talks about the power in Acts chapter 1, and it came to the disciples in Acts chapter 2. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter got up and preached, and 3,000 people came to know Jesus in that day. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, that boldness and that power. See, it comes from God. That's how they were able to endure. That's how they're able to do these things, because that power comes from God. Now, it didn't keep, didn't keep them from bad things happening to them. See, there's a teaching out there that says, hey, when you come to God, nothing bad's going to happen to you. When you tithe, you know, you give a hundred bucks, you're going to have $10,000 in your bank account because God's going to give it all back to you. There are teachings like that. And there are scriptures that do talk about how we sow a seed and we reap from that seed. And that principle is true, but not in the way it was taught. We don't give to get. We give and we might give in the offering and we should give in the offering. We're called to tithe. When we give, God's going to give us back blessings. They might be financial. They might be physical. 
they might, God just might keep all your vehicles working. That might be the blessing. God might keep a re- roof over your head. That might be the blessing, but God's going to bless you, but it may not look the way that you think it does. We don't give to get. We give out of worship to God, out of an abundance that He's given us, out of the joy of giving back to God. That's where that joy, it's part of our worship. So this power that they got, the Holy Spirit coming into their lives, didn't keep bad things from happening. They were thrown into prison. They were beaten. They were martyred. It doesn't sound like a gospel that that sounds really good, but here's the thing. They understood the freedom that God gave them through the Holy Spirit. That there's nothing in this life that could hurt them. Now look at verses 8 through 11 of chapter 4. This is what it says. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death But this has resulted in eternal life for you. The apostles were willing to risk their lives so others would come to know Jesus. That's convicting if you really think about it. Some of us don't even want to let people know that we work with know that we're Christians because we're afraid that we might not get the next promotion. Or we're afraid that they might laugh at us or might not invite us to the next party or may exclude us from certain things. Look, their lives were on the line. It says that they were pressed on every side by troubles, but they were not crushed. They were perplexed, but not driven to despair. They were hunted down. Actually, Paul, before he was saved, was actually one that was hunting Christians down. He was there when Stephen was killed and gave his vote for Stephen to be killed. His name was Saul at that time, and you can read about his story in Acts and how Jesus, how he encountered Jesus and came to know him, and God sent him out to be the apostle to the Gentiles, to you and me. God sustained them through some pretty horrible experiences. And here's the thing. As they went through all of this difficult stuff, people were watching them, just like they watch you and me. They were seeing how they went through those circumstances. Remember a few weeks ago, I talked about how um, Paul was in prison, and he sang and worshipped God in the midst of being in prison? See, and the whole entire jail, including the jailer, came to know Christ because of what happened there. It wasn't Paul, it was Peter, I'm sorry. I said that wrong, when Peter was in prison. And they sang and worshiped God in the midst of being in chains and in prison. See, our strength is within through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we get closer to God, that strength wells up. And as we go through these difficult times, people will see it because they'll identify with it. They'll go, you know what, my life, man, I'm going through some tough stuff. I, I want to have 
what Robbie has. I want to have what Heather has. I want to have what Alan has. I see them go through these difficult times, but yet they're not broken down. How do you do it? It's the power of God living in our lives, and it draws people to them. Not that we're being fake, not that we walk around with smiles on our face just to have a smile when everything's falling apart around us. It's that we have something to hold on to. We have the power of God in our lives that we know that no matter what happens to us, God has our backs. That even when everything else is falling apart, even with COVID-19 and all of the stuff that's happening in 2020, we can still have hope. We can still have joy. God is still on the throne. We don't have to live in fear. We can live in victory because of who Jesus is, because we have the power of God in us. The boldness of the Spirit working through our fragile bodies shows the power of God and how He works in our lives. God wants to see us grow and prosper. God wants to see us thrive. But it may not always look the way you and I think. There may be seasons, and there have been seasons when we've had plenty. And then there's been seasons where we can barely pay our bills. And God's been the same through all of it. And you know those seasons when we could barely pay our bills? God provided everything that we needed. You know those seasons when we've had plenty? We were able to give to others that were in need. We were able to share more and give more. See, when we can get our minds wrapped around these things and understand that God is the one that's in control, we are the fragile jars that hold the power of God. But God is the one that's in control. He's the one that draws people to Him. When we grow in the Spirit, no matter what happens in this life, God has our back. The apostles endured because of what God had done. And they also kept their eyes fixed on Him, which is the second thing I want you to get today. So the first thing is they had the power of God in their lives. The second thing is, is they fixed their eyes on the unseen. What do I mean by that? Well, look at verse 18 for just a minute of chapter 4. It says, So we don't look at troubles, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. He's talking about eternity. He's talking about the rest of our lives with Christ in eternity, the unseen things. This life is passing. This fragile body that we have will eventually go away. The apostles understood this. They lived with an eternal perspective. They lived looking for eternity. That's a hard thing for us to grasp. What does it mean to live for eternity? What does it mean for our lives to be that way? Does it mean that all of this stuff is meaningless? No, not at all. It just means that the trouble and the trials and the things that we're going through in this life are temporary. Even the wins and the gains 
are temporary. Our goal, our primary goal is to know God and to lead others to Him. Those are the two things. Remember the, the core commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's at the core of Christianity. That's what we've been called to do. And so whatever resources God gives us, whatever God has blessed us with, we use what we have to draw others to Him because this life is fleeting. The apostles understood this. They knew that life was short, too short to be caught up in fear, too short to just live afraid of everything. They stepped out in faith and boldness and preached the gospel and reached their neighbors and reached their friends. James reminds us that life is just a vapor. James chapter 4, of all things, speaks of this. It says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here for a little while, then it's gone. Think about it. I turned 48 years old a couple weeks ago. Probably more than half of my life is gone. That's quick. My children, 20, 18, soon to be 16. Man, it feels like yesterday that they were born there in that hospital in Brandon, Florida. And I think back to some of you that I've met, and some of you I've gotten to know over the last four or five years, and it seems like yesterday. This life is a vapor. We're not even guaranteed tomorrow. I think if anything with COVID, it reminds us how fragile our lives are. But see, here's the thing. Even as terrible as COVID is, I don't live in fear of COVID. Even if I were to get COVID and not recover, I will be in eternity with Jesus. Now, I'm not out there trying to get COVID. I'm not out there being stupid. But I also don't live in fear of it. God has called me to live my life. Now, I'm not telling you to be reckless. And I know there's some people that will watch this and they'll think, well, Pastor Larry's just telling me to be reckless. No, not at all. That's not it at all. What I'm telling you and reminding you is that God is in control. That our lives are fragile. They're fleeting. But they're not the goal. The apostles understood this. Eternity is the goal. This life is temporary. This is not our home. We don't know how many days we have on this earth, and that's why it's so important to take advantage of the ones that we have, to use what we have for His glory. And yes, some of us do need to stay isolated because of certain health issues, but take the time that you have to draw closer to God. Take the time that you have to pick up a phone and call somebody and encourage them. Remind them that you're not sitting there shaking in fear, that you're using wisdom 
But in your wisdom, you're using the technology and the time that you have to encourage somebody, to love somebody, to join in. Man, one of the greatest things that I love about our 4.30 prayer time, Monday through Thursday, is that there are a few people that because of some health issues can't get out, but we get to spend time together every day, catching up, laughing. Yeah, we do pray, but we spend time talking to each other. It's important. We can't live in fear. We have the power of God living in us. The apostles knew every day could be their last day, and they wanted to make sure that as many people as possible knew Jesus. I want to fill in the gap of the rest of this passage. So I want to look at verses 13 through 18. Again, we already read 18, but I kind of want to give you the fullness of this passage. It says, But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had, when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. I want to say that again. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. They're small. I know they feel big today. I know when we look at global pandemics, we look at the elections and we look at racism and we look at these things, they're, they're big issues, but in reality, they're small in our lives. Next to filling our lives with Christ, next to knowing Him, they're small. This life is here today and gone tomorrow. The joy of God will last for eternity. So let me pick back up in verse 17. It says, They're small and won't last long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Forever. Only eternity lasts forever. And through Jesus, we can have eternity with Him. We're adopted children. Ephesians says we've been adopted into the family of God. That the inheritance that was for Jesus is for us as well. Not that we're going to be gods, but that we're going to live with God forever in His land, in His home, for eternity, where it says there will be no more crying, there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain. There will be joy and peace. It's something we can't even grasp or comprehend. As a pastor, I have struggled with eternity because it's something I can't comprehend. But I trust God enough to know that He will take us there. And that we'll be with them throughout eternity. 
through our faith in Jesus, we too will be raised from the dead to spend eternity with Him. That's the blessed hope. That's the unseen that we keep our eyes on, is on the glory of God in our relationship with Him and what's to come. The enemy wants to keep us wrapped up in our everyday lives. He wants to keep us in our heads, focused on all the stuff around us. But the truth is that He's called us to eternity. He's called us to be with Him forever. That's why Jesus came and died, so that we could be with Him forever. That should be our goal, is to endure this life, to bring as many people with us so that they too can know eternity. You know why there's a group of guys that go out on Monday nights and ride motorcycles to feed the homeless, even in the midst of this pandemic? Because there are people living under bridges in downtown Atlanta that need somebody to love them, to give them food, and to let them know that they're not forgotten. Is it a risk? Absolutely. But it's a risk that I'm willing to take so that somebody can know Christ. Am I being reckless? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't think so because I'm led by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does it mean that nothing bad will happen to me? No. No, it doesn't. But even if something bad does happen, the power of God is with me. I think back to our unlikely heroes when we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember their words? Said, King, we're not going to bow. You can throw us in the furnace. And our God can rescue us. But even if He doesn't rescue us, we're not going to bow to you. We're not going to bow to your statue. That's the same thing. See, my faith isn't in this body or this life. I believe God's not done with me. I'm not looking to die tomorrow. But if I do, it's okay. I wouldn't like it for my family. I wouldn't like it for other things. But I would be okay. I'm not out there trying to die. I just know where I'm going if I do. I know this life isn't all there is that there's more. And I want you to know that more. I want you to be that confident in eternity that you can allow the power of God to flow through your fragile body and bring others to Christ. That's how we are those billboards. They see the power of God in us. And they want what we have. Life's too short to wait. Life's too short to hold back. Too many people are dying and going to hell on a regular basis. If anything the pandemic should do is not have us trembling in fear. It should give us an urgency to reach those that are struggling and hurting so that they can know Christ, so that they can be healed, maybe physically, but for eternity for certain. That's our goal. So let me wrap this up for you today. We're fragile jars of clay, but we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the living God lives inside of us as believers. If you're not a believer, if you don't have the power of God living in you, you can have Him living in you today. I wouldn't wait. 
We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We read in James, our life is just a vapor. It's like the fog. It's here today, or here now and gone in a little while. I know when we're young, it feels like we've got so much ahead of us, and we do, but it goes very quickly. And I want you to spend eternity with me. So we are jars, fragile jars of clay that are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not invincible, but we serve a God that is eternal. And so therefore we are eternal. We will live forever with Him. Second thing is we must keep our eyes fixed on eternity. Not let the enemy hold us back from following Jesus or from reaching others. Again, I'm not telling you to be reckless. I'm just telling you to live with faith, to live with the power of God in your life. To allow God to pour into you. Allow God to pour His Spirit into you. We have to remember that He is in control. He's the one that leads us in all things and when we put our trust in Him. The key is we need to spend time with Him every day. So I want to challenge you today. So I want to challenge you today. Do you know Jesus? Do you have Him in your life? If you don't, now is the time. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, Please forgive me for my sins. Help me to turn away from the ways that I've hurt you and come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. For those of us that are believers, allow the power of the Holy Spirit to fill your life so that you can be a magnet drawing other people to you today. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for what you did on the cross. And Lord, I ask right now that you would forgive us of our sins. That you would help us to turn away from the sinful nature that we have and to live for you. Lord, we ask that you fill us with your Holy Spirit and your power. That you would flow through us, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that through our lives, other people will be drawn into your presence. Lord, that no matter who's watching this, no matter who's listening to this message, that we would come to a place where we become like magnets, drawing people to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that we are just the containers, the clay pots, and your power lives in us, drawing others to you, empowering us to do the things that you've called us to do. And Lord, I pray that your hand of blessing would be upon each one of us today and throughout this week. Lord, fill us more and more and anoint us with your power, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We love you. We thank you. Have a great week.